while you're here? You're paying your dues, buying your time while you're here. That's a responsive, that's a question. It's okay, you can respond to me. Why are you here? You want to learn? You want to worship? You thought I was going to pay the VeggieTales song? For you, Leslie, we're going to do that, but not right now. Why are you here? Give God praise? To grow? Do you really want to grow? Because growth can be painful. I think I need to get off the stage and walk. Do you really want to grow? Do you really want to know what God's Word has to say? And do you, are you really interested in obeying what God's Word has to say? Or are you just in for just so you can hear and, and listen for another time today and leave out and be the same way that you are? Because if we hear what God's Word has to say, I promise you, you cannot leave here without without something going on inside of your heart, because that's what God's Word does. I mean, there's something that just, listen, man, it can look good on the outside, and on the inside it be as rotten as can be. And we're going to see that in the life of Jonah. I mean, here's this guy that, man, he had a position, and he was part of a certain bloodline, and he was living in comfort. But he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. And we carry the name of Jesus and we'll wear that t-shirt. And we'll go to that Bible study. And we'll never miss church. Because good Christians don't ever miss church. We'll give Jesus a couple hours a week. But when it comes down to living out and, and, and responding to his word and being receptive to his word, so do you really want to grow? Because growing sometimes means we have to set aside from the things that we want to do and say, God, what is it you want in my heart and my life? Because it's not just about saying yes to Jesus and initiating and there being that beginning of a relationship where you're baptized, but there's also being changed into the likeness of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, which means that there has to be some kind of a response. And that's where the uh-ohs come in so many times. Because we're okay with paying the dues. We're okay with giving a little bit of time. But all of a sudden, when Jesus said, listen, this is what I want you to do, we're just like Jonah. God said, go, and Jonah said, and there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. You know, when you run from God, it's funny some of the crazy places we run to. And we said last week that if you're running from God, there'll always be a ship in the port ready to pick you up. We're going to be in chapter two today. Um, and let me say this also in reference to running. When we run from God, what you're doing is you're running away from your primary source of unconditional love and acceptance. There's probably going to be a lot of, a lot of amens, and I may 
totally get away from this today because I feel like something's stirring. And I would probably say at the end, Brian, I don't know, but I feel like there might need to be some type of a response time because it wouldn't surprise me today if God speaks to somebody. And I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do at the end because I don't care really about Facebook. What I really care about is what goes on in the lives of this family. And I believe that probably at the end we need to have a time that we respond to God. And, and maybe what we do is we say that as we're walking through this, maybe what we ought to need to do is at the end of this for me to be able to say to you, Richard, I want to I know what, what God spoke to you today. Augustine, man, what did God speak into your heart? And Jared, what did God speak to you? Alex, what did God speak to you today? Or Ralph, what did God speak into you today? Manny, what is it that you heard God say? And Autumn, what is it you heard God saying to you today? Because I promise if you listen, man, the Holy Spirit speaks. I was with somebody yesterday and I just said, okay, stop for a second. What's Jesus saying? What's Jesus saying? But just like God loved the people of Nineveh, God loves us. And his love isn't accidental, but it's very very intentional. And you know what happens to those of us that come to the place of receiving his love and accepting his love and understanding the depths of his love and receiving the message of hope and forgiveness that it brings? You know what it prompts us to want to do? You can't keep your mouth shut. It's like somebody giving you $1,000. And you know what? Man, I promise you, if I were to give you $1,000, it wouldn't take you very long for the word to spread. Man, Sid Brock gave me $1,000. I'm not giving you $1,000, but... Man, we like good news. But is the good news you receive good enough for you to go out and tell other people about it? Because one of the things that we'll see inside, one of the themes that we see inside of the book of Jonah is that theme of going and, and telling. Going and telling. Being on mission. Being, being sent. So with that being said, the book of Jonah. You guys got it? Between the books of Obadiah and Micah, if you get to Matthew, you've gone too far. If you still are struggling, go to the table of content, contents and look it up. But that's where we're going to be at today as we walk through the Word. Now, we finished up last week uh, there in, in, uh, in chapter 1, and let me just read to you that last verse and what it has to say. Maybe you can identify with this. Now, the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for how long? Three days and three nights. That's not my, that's not my thoughts when it comes to a bed and breakfast, Okay. So here's Jonah inside this fish, whatever it was, well, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but here he is inside this fish for three days and three nights. We learned last week that God said go and Jonah said no, and after a series of events he ended up down, he tried to get on a ship, tried to flee from God, ended up overboard, and a fish swallowed him, and he was there for three days and three nights. And some of us would say, I cannot believe that God would allow something so difficult like that to happen in Jonah's life. I mean, if God was a God of love, how in the world could he ever allow something like this to take place? Make note of it. Make note of this. 
Because what we learn about God's love is that he loves us so much he's willing to go the distance for us. He is relentless in pursuing those that he loves. And he, and he not only causes, allows things to happen, sometimes he causes things to happen, just like we see here. Because he causes those things to happen, not to pay us back, but to bring us back. And listen, man, this fish, it really wasn't about punishment. Because when you see a bigger picture, I'll tell you what it was about. It was about his mercy and it was his grace. His mercy and grace. So here's Jonah rolling around in this belly of this fish. And I don't know what in the world you might do or what you might be thinking, but this is exactly what Jonah did in verse 2, or in chapter 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord from inside the fish. Does that sound like a pretty good thing to do? It says he prayed to the Lord from inside the fish. I find it very interesting. When a push came to shove, he knew exactly what he needed to do. It just took him three days to get there. I think I'd have been maybe praying after the first few minutes. But he says three days later, he cried out to the Lord. He prayed from inside of the fish. And there's so many different things that we can take from this. But when God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh, what it did is it exposed his real heart. I mean, everything on the outside looked really good. I mean, he was a good religious person. Everything was going fine until all of a sudden God said, listen, Jonah, I want you to go. And Jonah said, no, because he knew. He knew the reputation of the Ninevites. They were terrible people. They were vicious. They were vile. They were ruthless. They were nasty. And he didn't want to go preach a message of repentance because if he preached the message of repentance, he knew the consequences if they did not respond. And that would mean, baby, listen, game over. Game over. Skinning him alive and tacking his skin to the, to the doorpost of the gate. Cutting his tongue out. Lying, allowing his body to sit outside the gate so that other people could see how ruthless and how difficult they truly were. And he knew... He knew exactly, but it wasn't just the fact of maybe they, didn't, maybe they wouldn't respond to the message, but what if they did respond to the message? And he didn't want that either because he hated them, because he knew how much they hated the Israelites, and he knew that they were one of the biggest enemies that they had. So here it is, God asking him to go to Nineveh with these thoughts in mind. And he was okay up until that point. Just like I said, we don't mind obeying God as long as it, it doesn't cost us anything, as long as everything works in our favor. And how many of us are good with following Jesus as long as it meets the cultural expectations, as long as it meets every, what everybody else is doing? I'm okay with Christianity as long as it just doesn't alter my schedule, as long as it doesn't cost me anything. But following Jesus... I don't really know about that. Not really sure. But it was Jesus himself who said, listen, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own life and take your cross daily. Follow me. And what we see in Jonah is we don't have to be far away from God to be rebellious towards him. And it wouldn't surprise me, by the way, if we had some people that were here today that we're living in rebellion to God, but you're here. And maybe it looks good. But your life is a mess, and you know it. 
and you're running from God. And boy, you can point out the story of Jonah, but you can't even see it in your own life. But you're running. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish, and he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. What happened when he called out to God? He said, he answered me. Can you believe that? Can you believe that God would answer when you pray? Man, I prayed something last night, and God, God made it happen just, as, just, as, just like that. And I was, honestly, I was a little surprised. But why should I be surprised? Why should I be surprised that God would answer my prayer? And he goes on to say, I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Jonah come to find out that God answers prayer. But he also come to discover that God it may, might just be involved in those areas of our life that cause tension and stress. And look at what he prays. And look at, listen at this. You threw me into the ocean depths. Who threw him? God. You threw me into the ocean depths. And I sank down into the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me, and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Whose waves? Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. Man, that's a, that's a picture. You know one of my favorite shows now on TV is? What is it, Merida? About the snakes? Y'all like that? What Guardians of the Glades. I'm ready to go. Anybody, we got to have some guys want to sign up. Johnny, I know you'll go with me, baby. You're in for that. I want to go snake hunting down in the Everglades. Meredith said, I'm too fat and slow. I can't move anymore like I used to. She said, baby, she said, I, I understand your heart's there, but baby, your body's just not there anymore. ha. <laughs> Oh, wrapped it around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains, and I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. Listen, write these things down because here's some things that Jonah would learn while he was in the belly of the well. Make note of these, okay? These are really important. Number one, life is meaningless without God. Here's Jonah in what seemed like a hopeless situation. And listen, you may not be in the belly of the well, but you may feel that way, pressed in on every side. And it may be financial debt. It could be a conflict with a, with a relative. It could be your spouse. It could be a bad health report. Or maybe it's the feeling of darkness that's brought on by worry and anxiety and concern over issues going on with parents or even children. But you feel that way. Where do you turn when you're pressed in on every side? We have a tendency to put our trust, our hope in certain things. But what happens when those things that you put your faith and hope and trust in, what happens when, you, when they fail you? I mean, kids, what do you do when your parents fail you? Parents, what do you do when your children fail you? What happens when the job that you had that had all this promise all of a sudden is gone? What do you do? 
Man, what are you doing? The financial situation just seems to be bottoming out instead of picking up and moving forward. And here's Jonah in the belly of the big fish, in the stench, in the darkness of the moment, with no place else to hide. And in that place, he realized that life without God was meaningless. That's where he was at. He didn't have any other place to turn. See, so many times we say, man, I love Jesus. Take something away that you've got your trust in. Let's see how long you trust him. You say, man, my relationship with God is up here. Let something happen in your life and let's see what happens to your faith. Because faith isn't faith until it's, it's exactly right. You tell me you have faith, talk to me about the test and the things that you've walked through in life where your faith that you have has been tested. I've often, I've heard this and I've said it for years. Don't test any, don't trust anybody that doesn't walk with a limp. And here's Jonah in the belly of the fish, in the stench, in the darkness of the moment, no place to go, no place to hide, and he realized that life without God is meaningless. And if you've not been there, because there would be some religious people that would say, I can't believe he's in that situation. Be careful. Because if you've not found yourself there, at some point in time you will, I promise you. You'll you'll find yourself in a place where you feel hopeless. If you've not, it's coming, baby. Just trust me. It's coming. And what happens, what happens is repentance begins in that moment of despair when we have no other place to turn, and it is God's mercy that he reveals it to us. See, repentance isn't just feeling sorry for what we've done. Repentance is a, is a change. It's a, it's a changing of the mind that results in action. And it's only God's mercy that allows us to come face to face with our sin. Only God's mercy that allows us to identify and to see our sin. Not somebody else's sin, but to see your sin, my sin. And God will and He can arrange those situations in our lives that help us recognize our pride and to call out on Him if we're willing to respond. But then there are those that are hard-hearted and rebellious, and it really doesn't matter. He goes on to say, but you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. Verse 7, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord in my earnest prayer, went out to you in your holy temple. And this is very interesting because before Jonah was ever rescued, he began to celebrate. Write this down, underline it, do something with it, because this statement is a really big statement. Because there is a greater deliverance than, being, than just being rescued from our present circumstances. Listen, there's something that's bigger than just being rescued from your present circumstances. And that's our deliverance from sin. Jonah realized it was a whole lot better off in the belly of the whale with God than on shore without him. It wasn't really about Jonah being rescued from the belly of well as much as much as it was about him being rescued from his sin. 
He said back in verse 6, you, oh my God, have snatched me from the jaws of death. But he wasn't just talking about physical death, but he was talking about spiritual death and separation from a holy God. And before the fish ever coughed him up onto dry land, he's, maybe I should say throw up, I don't know. But before that ever took place, here he is thanking God for allowing him to see what he had saw and for rescuing him. Isn't that something? And God, thank you. Even though I'm in the present circumstance in the belly of the well, thank you for rescuing me from the jaws of death. What are you hearing? So many times we want the pain to stop. And God's saying, it's not about the pain. I want you to rescue. I want you to understand and see the sin. That's what I want you to do. I want you to be honest about and humble about. Can you see the sin in your life? Can we see the sin in our life? Do we see that our sin is what separates us? But we're so busy trying to rescue ourselves. We're so busy trying to be good enough that God would love us and accept us. But our deliverance is when we recognize that we would rather be in the belly of the whale with him than in a king's castle without him. And that relationship with God is more valuable than anything else that we can set our eyes on. It reminds me of that old saying that says something like this, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. And in verse 8, he goes on to say, those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies. And Jonah realized that anything that we worship above God, anything we put above God causes us to forfeit his grace and his mercy. We identified, and I gave you a definition last week of idolatry. We said idolatry was anything that we put above God. And I also went on to say that idolatry is anything that we love, trust, or crave more than God. And here it is, Jonah recognizing that his sin was birthed out of an idolatry. His heritage, his line, his position as a pastor, as a leader. He thought he knew better than God. He thought his way was better than God's way. You ever thought that? There's an old English word for worship, and it's worthship. Worthship. And it means anything that we put worth on or value on, something that, that has such value in your life that you can't imagine living without it. And so our lives begin to revolve around it. Okay, let's, let's, let's talk out just for a second. What are some things that we might could put in that place of worship that has value that our lives might revolve around it? What are some of those things? What? Who? Family. What else? Uh, Y'all got to help me out because I'm getting old and my hearing's hearing's gone. What is it? Money. What else? Work. What else? Social media. Get out of here. (laughs) How dare you bring up that? I hear this, I just, I just don't have any time to spend time in God's Word. If we were to pull your social media account, you might find hours and hours of time you spent on the phone. I mean, think about it from your perspective. 
Can I ask that? I mean, what is it that you pursue the most? What is it that you prize the most? What is it that you deem valuable the most? What is it that we deem worthy, so worthy that we dedicate all of our time and our attention to it? Children? Ministry? Oh, man. I ain't heard anybody say sports. Uh Uh-oh, that joker's done going to meddling. I can get off on a side tangent really quickly. But we have stuff going on in youth sports today that isn't anything about having fun. It ain't about fellowship. And we say it's about Jesus, but it ain't even about Jesus. And we're spending more money, more time, more effort than anything else trying to make sure about our kids. You know what our kids want to know? They want to know about Jesus. I was raised just fine, and I wasn't on a travel ball team, thank you very much. I'm not picking on people that have on travel ball. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I know some people that it goes to the extremes on. Another word for worship is weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. When we worship something, we give it weight. We can tell what we give weight to by checking our calendars and our bank accounts. What is it that has weight in your life? What's so important that you couldn't imagine living life without it? Could be a spouse. Can be gone in a second. Maybe it's your spouse that's your idol. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your finances. All of those things are temporary when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. Anything that we put above God becomes an idol. That thing that you can't imagine living without, that thing that you put so much weight on, be careful. Because God might be saying, that's your idol. That's your idol. Write this down. Number two, Jonah recognized the emptiness of idols. Martin Luther said this, to whatever you give your heart and entrust your being, that I say is really your God. What is it you don't feel that that you feel you can't live without? Financial stability, spouse, notoriety, success, maybe it's health or perfect family. Nothing about those things are wrong. Not one thing about any one of those issues is wrong. But idolatry is when we take something that's good and it becomes the only thing. When something good becomes so valued that God comes in second. When you find yourself being envious of something that somebody else has, (laughs) and you'll do anything that you can to try to to get what they have, you lose sleep, or maybe that thing that you're afraid of losing, watch out, that may be your idol. But this is what Jonah was learning, that when we give ourselves to an idol, what we do is we turn on our back on God and we forfeit his mercy and his grace. Can you see it? When we give attention to something and we place it above God, 
what we end up doing is we forfeit the mercy and grace that God gives us so freely. Let me give you an example. In the Old Testament, in the book of Jeremiah, if you're good, you're a good Bible student, you can turn over to the book of Jeremiah very quickly. If not, you can just look up here on the screen. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Here's Jeremiah, the prophet, recording the word of the Lord. He's addressing the people of Judah, and this is what it says. For my people have done two things. Two things. It's pretty simple. Uno, dos. Is that right? Yes. Two. Two. Two things. And listen to what he said. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. When my dad was growing up early on as a child, I remember they had two cisterns at my my grandparents' house, where my father used to have to draw water from. It was a dug well. And when he was a little kid, they had to, that's where he got water from for the house. In the Old Testament, we see where Joseph was thrown in a cistern. If you remember, instead of killing him, they threw him in a cistern, and he eventually would sell him into slavery. And so here it is, talking in the, the illustration given of a cracked cistern that can hold no water. And the Lord's saying here in Jeremiah, they turned from me when I was everything that they needed and they created for themselves something that was only temporary. Something that would, that, would not, that would not hold them over. They abandoned the living water when I was fresh, flowing, satisfying to the taste and readily available and they dug something for themselves not only to drink from, but it couldn't hold water. And after a period of time, it would become stagnant and old. God's people had everything that they needed. We have everything that we need. Yet how many times, how many times are we creating and digging for ourselves cracked cisterns today? Looking, searching, seeking. They had everything that they needed, but they exchanged their worship of God for idols. And I'm going to tell you what, listen, there are things that we can put above God, and they'll satisfy for a season or a period of time, but it's temporary. It's temporary. And it only eventually leads to emptiness and heartache. What we're longing for and looking for cannot be found in another person. If you're single and you're looking, man, if I could just find myself a good man, let me tell you what, he is not the answer to your problem. Man, if I could just find myself a good woman, that woman's driving me crazy. She's not the answer. She's not the answer to your problem. If I just had a better job, it's not the answer to your problem. If I just had another friend, another family member, but only, can only be found in, in Jesus. Our focus can't be on an amount of money. It can't be on a position that we might hold. But anything other than God is a counterfeit and temporary at best. In verse 9, he says this, But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my, my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Third thing that he recognized in the belly of the whale, salvation comes from where? From the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. 
I think we break it all down. There's three different types of people, three different types. There are those that are not religious, there are those that are religious, and then there are those that are believers and followers of Jesus. There are those that are not religious, they don't care about the things of the Lord they may have heard or they may not have heard. But for whatever the reason they've chosen, maybe even they've heard, they've chosen to reject the Lord. And then there are those people who are religious. They believe in salvation, but they believe it belongs to them because they have it all together. They're checking off the list, baby. They're moving. Don't you see me? Look at me. Look how good I am. And I got it all together. And we sure don't want to talk about it to anybody because the people we talk about, they may think differently of us if they only knew what was going on inside of us. So what we do is we keep people at bay. And man, listen, there is a bondage that's going on in your life because you lack freedom, because you're trying to fix it all on your own and you'll never fix it. It's a wheel you can never get off of. Hello? Some of you need to stand up and maybe give a testimony right now. Because it's exhausting. And you cannot get off of that wheel. It's like that proverbial gerbil. You know, the one that runs around. He, just, he never stops until he falls off. Then he gets back on. And he falls off. And he gets back on. It makes me tired. But the religious person believes that salvation belongs to them because they've got it all together. They've got all the pieces of the puzzle. Man, I don't need Jesus because i got it all together. But then there are the believers, the Christians, the followers of Christ who recognize their need and they believe that salvation comes from the Lord. And it's not a result of a work. It's not a result of an effort. But it's given freely to us. It comes from Jesus. It comes from the Lord. And you know why salvation comes? It comes as a result of God's compassion. Because he sees us. And he knows. He knows. It comes as a result of his compassion, his love, and his mercy, and sacrifice. And Jesus did it for me. See, I have to recognize the fact that Jesus didn't die for you. He died for me. That's who he died for. Because I'm the rancid one. I'm the sinner. I'm the one that's broken. I'm the one whose life is a, is a mess. <clears throat> what I couldn't do for myself, Jesus did for me. It was a gift. All I had to do was embrace it. Grace is giving us something that we don't deserve. Mercy is withholding something that we do deserve. Our salvation is a gracious act of God. <clears throat> and you know what? When we get that, there's two things. Two things that it gives us. Humility. Humility. And also confidence. Humility, <laughs> because we come to grips with understanding the depths of our sin, but also a sense of confidence. Because we recognize the depth of God's love and the price that he paid for our sin <coughs> through his death on the cross. Got to take a mint break. Tell the person next to him that you love them. <coughs> Need to do something. You might have to have a glass of water or something.
You get it? Thank you, babe. <coughs> I don't know if I want to drink after Larry Pierce. <coughs> ah. Mm. This one's good. I know that's clear water there. That came from Jimmer. Thank you, Jimmer. I love Larry. There's two things that we get it. There's two things that we get when we recognize God's love and his compassion. Humility and courage. Humility because we recognize our sin. Courage because we recognize the price that Jesus paid for our sin. Humility, not excuses. How many times have you been caught in sin and instead of, <coughs> instead of recognizing it, what you did is uh, you made an excuse for it. Raise your hand. Humility is when you recognize your sin. I can always tell in my kids who's serious and who's not serious. <clears throat> Dad, I'm sorry. I was wrong. They don't use the word I sinned against you, but I know exactly what they're saying. Dad, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? There's a humility that comes when we recognize our sin, there's a courage that comes when we recognize the price that Jesus paid for our sin when he gave his life. There's a third thought, passion. A passion for God as well as an urge and a drive to extend God's grace and generosity towards others just as God has extended it towards us. For the person that's been rescued and saved, there is a passion for telling other people. Did you hear me? For the person that understands the depth of your sin and from what you've been rescued, there is a passion that comes for telling other people. You'd think that after three days in the belly of the well, Jonah crying out to God that he would have gotten his act together. And he did to a certain extent. But you're going to see a little bit later on that there was still a whole bunch of junk going on behind the scenes. When I was a firefighter <coughs> back in college, they, take, they took us off to an island to fight a fire one time. <coughs> and from a visual, you would think that the fire was out. But as you would walk through the forest, you could feel these hot spots. And you knew there was something still going on up underneath the ground. There was a fire burning down in the peat. And if you give it enough time, there would, be a, there would eventually be a, a fall of the leaves and stuff from the fire, from the first fire, fall to the ground, and eventually it would catch back up again. I want you to listen to that. Because see, what happened in Jonah's life is what was really going on underneath was exposed when God spoke to him. When we walk through those difficult times in life, where our heart is truly at 
so many times bubbles to the surface. And it's in those moments we realize how vile and how terrible we truly are. How many of us are going through the religious exercise, and yet there's still stuff going on deep down inside? And you can't always, you can't always see greed, and you can't always see jealousy. You can't always see those things, but they're there. I mean, how many smiles cover up bitterness that, exi- that exists down deep? How many people have come to Christ recognizing their sin, choosing to trust Him, committing to live for Him, and have stopped there, and now have just got into this motion of going through religious exercises that you've seen modeled or demonstrated for you, but you stopped. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you, and now you're in this pattern of following Jesus. Your following Jesus is about going to church and going through some religious exercises. But there's another step in the journey. It's another step. When we not only recognize our sin, we believe and trust in what Jesus has done for us, but all of a sudden that next step is when, the, when the, we begin to be changed in, into the likeness of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit because repentance isn't just feeling sorry. It's not just feeling sorry. But there's a change that takes place. There's a change and there's action. We experience the depths of God's love and mercy and we begin to pass that on to others. And we want to do what God does because we desire what God desires. When we begin to see as Jesus sees, it's easier for us to love as God Loves. Let me go through really quickly the list I gave you last week about the differences or the similarities between Jesus and Jonah. Jonah was sent to Nineveh. Jesus was sent to the world. Jonah spent three days in the belly of the whale. Jesus spent three days in the belly of the earth. Jonah was spat out after three days. Jesus was resurrected on the third day. Jonah was swallowed by a whale because he rebelled against God. Jesus was crucified by man because of man's rebellion against God. Jonah ran from his enemies. Jesus ran towards his enemies. Jonah wanted revenge. Jesus wanted to rescue. Jonah sought to protect himself. Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice. Everything that Jonah did wrong, Jesus did right. Jesus went to the belly of the well for us. I mean, if you really listen to what Jonah was saying there in chapter 2, I mean, when he was talking about the seaweed being wrapped over his head and the waters closing over me and sinking down to the very roots of the mountain and being imprisoned by the earth and the gates locked shut forever. And it was Jesus while hanging on the cross that would say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus went through the depths of pain and crucifixion so that we would never have to taste that. And you may think that you're in the belly of the whale, but don't see it as God's punishment. 
see it as God drawing you to him after Abby's wedding. I was on the way home, and I was on the phone with, with uh, Abby and Landon. They had called, and I was on the phone for a pretty extended period of time with them and um, talking to them, and, and Caleb kept trying to call in. He called in several times while he was bringing Abby's car home, and and I just thought sometimes he'll do that. You kids ever do you like that? You know, they just call over and over and over again. Sometimes I do that to people. And so usually when I do that, it means Brian says, I know if you call one time, but if you call me twice, I usually know there's something that's up. So Caleb called me like five or six times. So I, just as I got off the phone, I was at the house. Meredith pulls up, and I get out of the car, and there's Caleb getting out of the car. Well, he was bringing, Mer- he was bringing Abby's car home. So I go, I go he goes, Dad. He goes, I was trying to call you. I said, buddy, I was on the phone with, with Abby and Landon. And he said, Dad, if I call you five or six times in a row, you know there's a problem. I go, where's the car at, son? He goes, Dad. He said, there was a loud noise and smoke. I said, a loud noise and smoke? I said, where's the car at, son? He said, well, it's up at so-and-so by the so-and-so. And, and I thought, okay, we'll deal with that later, you know. So he and I went back later on, and on the, on the way there, so he was telling me what had taken place. So I'm thinking, man, he's blown the radiator. Something's happened. And so, uh, you know, it came to me, and about halfway there, uh, I said, buddy, I said, man, isn't God good? And he looked at me, and he said, what? <laughs> I said, isn't God good? I mean, he's so good. And, and Caleb said, Dad, what are you talking about? I said, think about it, son. You're on the way home. And I said, something goes wrong with the car. It goes, something goes wrong with the car, and you're only a, a couple of miles from the house. You pull it into a parking lot where there's a light, and you're able to come to a safe stop. I said, what happens if it would have been Abby driving the car, and she was halfway between here and Valdosta, and something had happened? What happens if it happened on a dark road where there was nobody else there? What, I mean, I went through this whole scenario, and he said, Dad, God's good, isn't he? And I said, yeah. Man, isn't he merciful? When we recognize how good God is and his grace and his mercy, it changes our perspective. See, the the valley that you may be walking through, you think God's not involved in it? God may have caused it. You know why? Not because he's trying to punish you, but maybe he's trying to bring you back. Maybe, maybe he's trying to draw you to him. Now the goal today isn't for you to, for me to tell you guys, listen, don't go be like Jonah. That's not the goal. I want you to see the goodness of God. I want you to see the beauty of God and how much he loves us and the price that he paid. Because when we recognize and we realize all that's happened, You know what happens? It creates this sense of worship and desire to follow him. That's what happens. We all know why Jonah ended up in the belly of the whale, don't we? He told God, what? No. Uh Uh-uh. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it. But Jesus... Jesus didn't spend three days in a tomb. 
He didn't spend three days in a, in a tomb in the belly of the earth because of his disobedience. But he spent it there because of ours. What are you hearing? What's God saying to you? That's a question. What's he saying? You're running. It's time to stop. You're walking through a dark valley. It's time to turn to him. For those of us that are religious, it's time to get on our knees and recognize and see our sinfulness in front of a holy God instead of just trying to live in our perfections. They don't make it. Would you bow your heads with me today? If you're running from God today, you're, you know that. Isn't it time to stop? Isn't it just time to, to stop and to throw your hands up and say, Jesus, my life's a mess. I need you. I need you. That's me. See, Jonah's my story. Maybe you find yourself in the belly of the whale right now. and You've been looking at it that God's angry with you. Maybe God's not angry. Maybe God loves you so deeply that he's caused it to happen so he could draw you back to him. You know that. There may be some of you here, though, that may not be in either one of those positions, but for the first time in your life, you're coming face to face with a holy God that loves you desperately. Who loves you deeply and desperately wants you to come to him and to throw yourself and to recognize your sinfulness, to acknowledge that, to humble yourself before him and say, Jesus, man, I, I understand the price that was paid on Calvary. I want to live for you. We're going to close out this way today, and I'm going to pray. If there's something that's going on in your heart, I will be up here. Dave, I'm going to ask if you would come. Meredith, if you would come. Sheila, I think you're there. Uh, Jerry, um, some of the others that are, that are usually would act as a counselor at this time. I'm going to ask you guys, for those just to come and to stand. And, and maybe you're here, and there's something that you just need to you need to talk to somebody about. There's something you need to, to go to them. And, and would you just pray for me? Maybe you've got somebody in your life that you, that's running and you know it. And God's placed you in, their, in the life of a runner. Not to condemn them, but to be there for them. Maybe you just need to, to pray. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. And today that is that day. Man, we'd love to be able to share with you how to come to know Christ. It's a simple it's just like I said, humbling yourself and saying, Jesus, will you forgive me? I've made a mess of my life.
I want to follow you. I want to close out and I'm going to pray. Maybe you're there and you don't want to talk to anybody, but you want to write a note on one of those yellow cards that's in the back of that, that chair where you're sitting and you just want to put it. Maybe you just want to make an acknowledgement. Pastor Sid, man, this is, what, this is what's been going on in my life. This is, this is something I, somebody I want you to pray for. Maybe this is a situation that I want you to pray for, and I promise you that we'll pray for you. Maybe you want to sit down and have, have coffee or sit down and have a conversation about your relationship with Jesus. I'd love to be able to do that. We have people that would love to sit and just talk with you and, and engage you in a conversation about a holy God. But no music today. No music. But if today as you're leaving and you feel like you need to respond, you can either put it on a card or you can come and talk to one of us that are here. But there's a lot of Jonah, not just a little bit, in all of us. Father, you are very gracious. You pursue us. You're relentless in pursuing us to the, to the far reaches. We can never outrun you. Father, if we're a runner today, I pray that we would hear you and we would turn, repent, and place our faith in you and turn back to you. Father, if we know somebody that's running today, I pray that we would be diligent in embracing them and engaging them and praying for them and always being there for them. Father, if there's somebody here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ, even today, would, would they kneel? Would they... Would they they surrender their heart and say, Jesus, I have made a mess and I want to give my life to you. Father, I pray that as we go out that we would be mindful that you've placed us in this environment, in this season of life, at this time, in this place, in this, in this community and surrounding area to be your ambassadors. Father, I pray that we would be faithful to recognize that, Father, just as you love us, you love all of us. Help us to be faithful with the, with the task of sharing the gospel, the good news, because we recognize just how good it is because of what it's done in our lives. Thank you for your word. I pray this next week, Father, we would just be challenged to go back to the word and read it for ourselves. Be with our kids and our and our adults and student ministry, as they're traveling today, Father, would you protect them on that highway? Go before them. We're excited about hearing the stories of what God did in their lives as they celebrated and they focused on you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.